Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Two Pentecostals and a Microphone, episode 13. In this episode, we discuss the future of AI, some of the ethics of artificial intelligence, and we do get into some things that might not be good for listeners under 13. So if you want your kids to listen, or if you know your kids listen, you might want to take a listen for yourself first, just to see what the content is like. Uh, we get into some discussions of uh, sexuality, of uh, sex bots, and uh things that are definitely not going to be appropriate for younger listeners. Um, so some interesting things in the news lately. Um, there's always interesting things in the news. And yeah, sometimes more so than others, but it's been an interesting it's week. Been an interesting month. Month, yeah. Or interesting year. It really has. A lot of things have happened. But recently, a um, AI or... Artificial intelligence, or in layman's terms, a robot, gained citizenship of Saudi Arabia? In Saudi Arabia, yeah. So this is uh, Sophia. Sophia, yeah. The android created by Hanson Robotics. And she is, and, and I'm gendering, I mean, it's female. Sophia, right? right? I mean, not a female biologically. I don't think you can deny the... Yeah, true. Feminine. Yeah. It's, it's feminine. Yeah. So I guess she, okay. So she... <laughs> so confusing. She was granted citizenship, making her making her the first uh, non-human. Well, I don't know if that's true. I think there was a country that gave citizenship to an animal or a dog or a gorilla or something. <laughs> I think I read about that. Me. Yeah, but anyway, the first robot basically to get citizen to be awarded citizenship. So she has a full citizenship in the kingdom of Saudi Arabia, which I don't know what that means necessarily. Right. Um, for a air quotes here, uh, female androids in that culture. Yeah, yeah. Will she pay? Right. Right. Will she pay taxes? Will yeah. she? I don't know. Will, vote. will she have to um, adhere to? Sure. They hold elections. I'm sure. I don't know. Yeah. If women can women can women vote but though? Then again, it's in Saudi Arabia, line. it's not really a woman. No, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not yeah. sure. Right. Yeah. So how does how does it work? Does she have to adhere to modesty standards in public? Right. Um, in that culture, I don't know. Um, so this raises a lot of questions. Um, Bryce and I are both sci-fi uh, fans, yeah, and grew up, you know, reading sci-fi and you know watching Star Wars and Star Trek, and um, so it's exciting it in is. a way. Yeah, it's it's exciting to see kind of. Stuff that was written on a page 60 years ago 
finally come to fruition. And, you know, I thought it was cool when, you know, we could have smartphones. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. It was, it was like a data pad in Star Trek. Right. And, you know, um, that was, it's a computer in our hands, basically. And so that, I mean, that's exciting. But like at the same time, with an AI or an artificial intelligence or a robot gets human characteristics put onto them. Right. Programmed into them. And they are to think and act as we do. Right. Is it ethical? And, you know, that's the, that's the question is, yeah. you know, what are the ethics when you're talking about humanoid robots with intelligence and at least, um, if not emotions, at least uh, programmed to imitate emotions. Right. Um, she has a very human face. Um, now, the back of her head and the rest of her body is very android in appearance, <laughs> but her face is very human and she would... Yeah. Uh, Smile, a kind of creepy fake smile, and blink, and blink, yeah. and, right, and frown, right. Um, furrow her brow. She can show anger, you know, sadness, right. happiness, whatever, and fairly witty. Now, how much of that was pre-programmed? You know, it's hard to tell from the YouTube video that we just that we watched. Um, and you might have seen this video already on Facebook or on YouTube or whatever. But she's being interviewed, um, and she's, you know, has some quips. I mean, she's pretty witty. Yeah. <laughs> some of her responses. Uh, for example, uh, she was asked about um, ro- robots becoming uh, self-aware. Mm-hmm. And she said, why is that a problem? And then he asked her if she, you know, something about self-awareness and knowing that she was a robot. And she said, well, let me ask you this. How do you know that you are human? So... <laughs> Deep uh, philosophical questions there, right? Coming it, from a AI, no doubt. Right. It's yeah. It's it's interesting, and it's interesting because, like you say, uh, and like we like we said earlier um, before we started recording, um, this is a lot like data yeah. in Star Trek. Yes. And uh, there are a lot of philosophical. Actually, I mean, Star Trek is all about philosophical questions, right? Um, but there are a lot of philosophical questions ra- raised around the idea of androids and sentience and uh, data being unique in that Star Wars universe because he is a sentient android, basically. Yeah. So how does that relate to um, Sophia <laughs> and her citizenship and, you know, what maybe not now, but probably in the very near future could can become a real question of sentience in AI. Right. So does Sophia pave the way for robot kind? Right. Yeah. Um, I guess in a sense she does or it, or however you want to genderize it. Right. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's probably too deep even for our podcast. It probably is. I'm sure. I'm sure it is. Yeah. So it's kind of a difficult question because there's so much at stake, I believe. Right. Um, we can think of, all right, let's just bring it home a little bit, bring it more down to our level, so to speak. Uh, I work for a company that has automation, that has robots, it has um, 
automated lines and even automated uh, tuggers, you know, material handlers, or even um, I believe there's automated forklifts as well. So you and you actually do some uh, programming for some of this automation, yeah. right? Before I got into what I'm doing currently, I was a robotics programmer. Um, went to school for it, and uh, that's what I did for a long time. Now, does that mean I'm programming stuff like Sophia, or a robot like Sophia? No. Right. It was, I was a, uh, I guess, a weld tech, so to speak. There were arms that were robotic welders. Okay. And I programmed the programs for, you know, to... So it's very much a predetermined set of actions that are programmed right. into it. Yeah. And there's no really, maybe AI in terms of safety features. Right. In, um, yeah. So if the robot will crash or, you know, run into a clamp or something, it would stop. It wouldn't just keep going. Right. And so, yeah, there it's safety features in that sense. And it's kind of like an if-then scenario, right? right? If this happens, then stop. Yeah. It's very simple AI. Yeah. I guess you could call it that. Um, <clears throat> but I guess I said all this to say, so we have these robots, not, not, not necessarily the welders because humans still operate those, but material handlers are a good example because that takes away jobs. They're pretty much autonomous. They just do their thing. Yeah. And so is it ethical is it ethical to have a robot take the place of a human? You know, that's that's a good question and it's a complex question because yeah. when you get down to brass tacks, um, really, it's progress. This is the nature of progress. So the Industrial Revolution... And, and Sophia was probably one of the greatest human achievements I think so. I think we need yeah. to acknowledge that. That's yeah. it's, it's, it's mind-boggling. Yeah, the whole thing is incredible. Um, you know, like I said, as a science fiction fan, we grew up reading about robots. And oh yeah, AI for you know the last hundred years or so when this has been in kind of the human consciousness, right? And um, part of our culture, you know. It's cool to see that come to life. In, oh, absolutely. In a sense. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. Um, so, you know, during the Industrial, the industrial Revolution, excuse me, for, for example, um, there were inevitably jobs that were lost because of, you know, advances in te technology at that time. Right. Um, I think we saw it with the information age and the dawn of the Internet. You know, inevitably, there were certain things that were lost, you know. Uh, for example, one thing now is I, I don't know the last time I personally have ever used a telephone book. <laughs> um, I mean, just think about it. What do you do? Do you, do you, do you keep yours? I one. Okay. Like, the reason why I keep them is I get so many of them. It's like they're just constantly coming. Eventually, it just becomes easier just to throw them in a drawer than yeah. to walk to the trash can. I suppose. But I don't know why they keep renewing them. But yeah, I'm not sure, you know, I don't know. I, some things that are definitely going extinct. Well, I mean, there are. When's the last time you've seen a payphone? Uh, very seldom. Yeah. I did see one not too long ago, and but I was in the, literally in the middle of nowhere in Illinois, wow. and you, there's no cell service. Yeah. I have miles where I've, there's no cell service. There's no 
uh, LTE, so I can't listen to podcasts. Wow, it's it's rough. I, <laughs> I, and I forgot to download them on this last trip, and I I was stuck. Illinois is the worst state to drive in this country. I really think so. I've driven through Kansas and, you know, the, the states that you typically associate with boring states. But right. Illinois, to me, Illinois is the Chicago's farm. To me, that's what it is. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't enjoy it. Sorry if you're, from, if you're from Illinois and you love it. I You know, God bless you. More power to you. But I, I don't look forward to driving through your state. No. Sorry. And I'm, I probably missed all the good parts, but... From yeah. from my perspective on the interstate, I seventy through Illinois to me is terrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, <laughs> wind, <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh, it's and driving a big truck and trailer, yeah. wow, like we do, it's uh, it's not fun. Yeah, uh, but you know, inevitably, as things change, you know, there's there's going to be jobs lost. There's going to be industries that go by the wayside. There's uh. Now we're seeing death of, of like retail. Um, several Circuit City went out of business a few years ago. Right. There's some there's some big companies that went under. Uh, Borders, uh, bookstores. Uh, looks like Sears is definitely on their way out. Um, their credit's so bad that Whirlpool and Maytag won't even sell them anything. That they dropped those lines. They owned Craftsman, which is the last thing of value they really owned. They sold yeah. it. So I mean, they're they're going under. I think JC Penney will go under soon. So. It's just the inevitable march of progress. I think uh, online shopping is killing retail. Yeah, not completely, but you know the weak links are all going to die. Right. So when it comes to the job market, is it is it ethical to? Okay, so your question is: Is, is it ethical to create something that will definitely take away a lot of jobs? It, I mean, I think you were bringing up the industrial revolution. It did that exact same thing mm-hmm. in a sense. Right. Like. It took away a lot of the mom and pop operations, much like online shopping has taken away a lot of the mom and pop. Or Walmart did when it yeah, came around. Sure, Walmart, big box stores, right? Will you know take away a lot of the local business? Is that ethical? I guess you could argue. But, right. Or then there's a counter question there: Is it ethical to to impede progress? You know, in probably potentially in areas like. Uh, uh, I'm sure that AI stemming from what they, they're learning now from Sophia and think projects like this is probably going to improve medicine, uh, healthcare, yeah. uh, in the future is going to improve, um, ecology, you know, ecological concerns. Right. Um, there's, it's just, it runs the gamut. Yes. So impeding progress to save some jobs, you know, some hypothetical jobs, is that ethical? Right. And you no. Know, when I was going through my training in robotics and the school I went to, one of the coolest things I think that I was able to take part in was the the robots that or the school I went to. They they actually manufacture the robots as well, and so they had a I guess you would say their uh, display room, you know, where they kind of show off their robots. They had one that performs very delicate back surgery. Oh, wow. And it goes into your spine. And they use, they train people in, like, what I would do in that sense as a robotics programmer, I would work one-on-one with the doctor. The doctor will be kind of orally walking me through the surgery, and I'm programming the robot to do 
do the moves. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. It is. And, you know, this was almost 15 years ago. And so, I mean, I'm sure lots progressed since then. Oh, I'm sure. I, and yeah. I, see, well, I work in hospitals, you know, right. practically every day. And I see, you know, just things like um, roving med carts full yeah. of medicine that are self-driving. Uh, you know, they're, they're robots. They're programmed right. to deliver medicine and things to different floors in the hospital, whatever. But it's it's the first time you see one or the first time I saw one, it's pretty crazy. It's like... It's, excuse me, excuse me, and it's behind me. Yeah. And I'm like, I turn around, and it's a big square or rectangle thing on wheels, but it's talking to me and saying, excuse me. And then it pulls up to the elevator and says, waiting on elevator, <laughs> waiting on elevator. And I'm like, what in the world? <laughs> and I figured out that it was what it was, but yeah. I mean, everything, yeah, from surgeries to just delivering things. I mean, right. there's robotics. The, we've talked about material handlers at um, the business I work at, I would much rather the robot actually speak to me than what the ones that I deal with do. Oh, yeah. Because they just, they, it's, it's kind of rude. They, they don't just, say anything? They just beep at They just you. beep, beep, beep. Yeah. Like, okay, okay, come on. And excuse me would have been nice. They, they should have worked right. that into that. But, so, I don't know. That's, it. That's funny. But, um, yeah, I mean... Taking away jobs. Now, I know that it would create jobs as well. Right. It's going to create highly skilled jobs. It's going to require people to go to college, get a degree in, you know, computer science or, you know, whatever is necessary to even, okay, even as low as like maintenance. Right. You know, but it's still a skilled job that requires training. Training. Pretty specified or specific training. And so, but it takes away from the menial tasks that I guess us humans you know, deem as menial as material handling or right. You know, and they're probably really inefficient for humans to do. Right. But what's that say to the people that either a don't want to go get the training, don't want to go to college, just want to go in and put in their, you know, eight hours and go home and not worry about any of that stuff or b that just was never afforded the light luxury of, uh, going to school or even even graduating high school for that sense. Right. Where, you know, they can go to work in a factory and get a decent paying job as opposed to going to a McDonald's or something. Well, you know, I honestly, I feel like manufacturing in the U.S. is, it's not going to completely go away, obviously. But it is a thing, almost becoming a thing of the past. Right. Because, and I, I mean that in terms of unskilled labor. Basically, uh, because there are cheaper places to do it. And we see that with factories going overseas. Yeah. And, you know, Trump wants to try to fix that with tariffs. And, you know, the only problem is, and I understand where he's coming from, and it sounds like a good idea on the surface, but Economics 101 will tell you that companies that pay tariffs to import things to the U.S., instead of moving the factories back here, what they will do is just charge more. Yeah. And the cost is passed on to the consumer. So there's really not a good way to fix it. Um you know, I think Asia, I think that the global economy work is working out kinks um, in that the working conditions and pay rates and things in Asia are starting to come up. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're starting to move into more of an information-based economy, even uh, even though manufacturing is massive there right now. I, and I truly believe that you'll see as uh, the African Union tends to, 
if they can be effective in stabilizing some of the situations in some of the countries in Africa, I think you'll see a, a dramatic rise in manufacturing in Africa over the next 15 to 20 years. Right. And then you'll see uh, we will be here in a basically a post-manufacturing economy. And then you'll see Asia move into that. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And you'll see maybe Eastern Europe and Africa uh, move into this. They have the they have the raw materials there. Yeah. They have the, main, the, the workforce there. Uh, stable governments are really all they're waiting on. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it just, it moves and it brings everyone up with it. And I, I think the problem here more than ethics of whether or not you should create that situation where people are going to be out jobs. Maybe it's, it's a problem of um, our education system in the U S and I'm not suggesting free college for everybody. And you know, somebody has to pay for it, obviously, but access, you know, right now there, anybody in any neighborhood with, you know, all the worst conditions you can imagine could have access or could have they could go to college. Yeah. They could have it paid for. Right. But the access isn't there. So it's getting the funding to the people is the problem. And there's things, uh, and I, I can't remember the name of the organization, but there's, there's a few organizations that work in this area. And one is, uh, it's called something Bridge, but it's, I'll, I'll think of it and we'll put it in the show notes. But it helps to bring uh, college funding to kids that are under you know, under, uh, privileged. Right. Yeah. And, and we, there's also 21st centuries as well, which is a scholarship awarded. It's a full ride scholarship. If you meet a certain criteria and usually <clears throat> it's income based, it's need based. So if your parents make less than, you know, uh, I'm just putting a number out 50,000 a year or something. If a child makes a C or better, they can go to college absolutely 100% free. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah. And it, 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 I'm not sure. I know it's for Indiana. I'm not sure about other states. but Well, and uh, Quest Bridge, by the way, Quest is the Bridge. one I was thinking of. Quest Bridge. But there are all these programs uh, that are given, given the funds. Mm-hmm. And now we have the programs, finally, that are helping work on access. And I think it's improving the situation. Right. And I think as we go forward, you know, I hate to sound condescending toward people that are, that work in, in unskilled jobs, and I don't yeah. mean to, but in the future, we're just going to have to know what the reality of the economy is and aspire to be able to be, you know, productive and competitive in it. Sure. 
and make us a better country and, you know, compete on the world stage. Because we got robots gaining citizenship in foreign countries, you know. What's right. that for America? We used to be the country that... Cutting edge. Yeah, pushed the boundaries. And so, the, okay, then you get into We're the, light years away from that now. Right. right. I know, yeah. we're way behind Saudi Arabia. Yeah. And, I mean, they, yeah, so... <laughs> so is it, is it ethical? And maybe this isn't even an ethical question. This is actually a political question, I guess. So should a should a robot or a, an AI enabled Android, whatever you want to call it, yeah, be able to have citizenship? That's a good question. What does citizenship say about it? Does it mean you're accepting this Android as as human, as sentient, as whatever? But that's the same question. Me having citizenship of a nation is that definition of me being human. Not necessarily. Yeah. So, how does that equate to an AI, in a sense, where, you know, if it's not required for me to be human, why should it be required for a robot to be a robot or, right. you know, or, even or human characteristics? Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, I think it's really symbolic, honestly. Saudi Arabia is doing this to position themselves as the place, or a place, or maybe even the place, to invest in things like robotics and AI. Right. And, you know, I think it's probably... Saudi Arabia has a bad rap. Yeah, they kind of do. Well, you know, Middle Eastern countries, they get lumped in with the other ones. Yeah. And, you know, so they're being progressive Mm -hmm. and, you know, trying to make their mark on the world stage, I suppose. Right. In a sense. And you've got a lot of extremely wealthy, very intelligent businessmen in that room who know the importance of... Competing, you know, in this in this arena, basically the future of of business yeah. is in a lot of ways going to be in I think robotics, uh, AI, and you know also uh, nanotechnology. Yeah, yeah. Nanotechnology. Yeah. So they're positioning themselves for that, and it's a smart move. Yes, but basically the citizenship is symbolic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree with that. <clears throat> it was some kind of. Uh, it, I, talk, I took it more or less as a publicity stunt. Absolutely, yeah. That's exactly what it was. But it does raise a lot of interesting questions because, uh, and they talk about it on, on in the interview, but because Sophia is so lifelike right. in the way she interacts and the way she looks because of the face, uh, and it brings up, you know, a lot of really interesting questions, and one of them being the idea of the uncanny valley. Yeah. Um, so this is when basically an android or a humanoid object uh, appears almost to be like be a human but not quite and it creates this kind of creepiness almost <laughs> yeah she she was definitely creepy because mm-hmm. uh, she would do a little quick quip like you said right. and then have this really creepy smile afterwards like it was just I was like and like you said, the kind of the dead eyes. Yeah, she just like dead eyes. Really, they, yeah. They need to work on the eyes. I think, yeah. If, exactly. if I had to write notes uh, for Hanson Industries, right? <laughs> robotics, Hanson Robot- robotics, Hanson yeah. robotics, I would say work on the eyes. Yeah, the eyes were a little creepy, especially with that creepy yeah. smile, like pseudo smile thing. Yeah. <laughs> But I mean, no, but it's incredible. I mean, really, it's uh, you know we make fun of the little things, but it's. Overall, it's an incredible achievement. And it is. It's. I mean, to a robot to think on its own. 
And it's basically what. So we. So there's the idea yeah. of machine learning, right? Um, and you know, a lot of podcasters, uh, you know, at go really into, and Bryce does a great job. He edits our podcast. He does all the music. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, then afterwards we do run our, our, uh, podcast through a program that tweaks it a little more. Yeah. And it's pretty impressive because a lot of podcasters don't use this. They think it's like too lowbrow or something. I think like, like, you, you need is to it like the equivalent of using auto tune. Yeah. It's like, yeah, right. It's like the auto tune for podcasts, yeah. whatever. Uh, we're not that pretentious, so okay. so we use it, and it's it's actually really great. And the the amazing thing about it is it's an algorithm that using I, the way I understand it, using machine learning basically, mm-hmm. uh, it's a self learning algorithm. So it it it's there's an algorithm that removes certain things and and filters certain things and brings other things up in the mix so you can hear more clearly and yeah. but but over time it learns how to do it better. Right. Well, for instance, we record our podcast in my home. I, it, the microphone picks up a lot of stuff. And to th- actually, the last couple episodes, you might you might pick up a little echo because we're recording in a different room, right, than Definitely. usual. And you might hear some footsteps, right? Um, You'll, maybe even a lawnmower, right? But, but the there have been lawnmowers noise in previous episodes, and that software you're talking about took that out, right. And that, that blows my mind. And at some point, th- this is the crazy thing. Once the algorithm is set in motion, it learns on its own. So at some point, it learned how to do that. Right. That blows my mind. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. That um, goes away. So, so machine learning, you got to have this um, history in robotics programming. Mm-hmm. But machine learning is a whole other level because it's basically learning the program itself right. to some degree. <laughs> so then you get into some really scary territory here. Yeah. You know, I know there's the three laws of robotics, right? Which yeah. actually came from Isaac Asimov, right? Did he not create that? For, did he uh, write that I, he in one of his books? Did. I think he yeah. did. Maybe iRobot. Probably. Yeah. And then it's actually used kind of as a, a good a basis for, you know, ethics in this. Yeah. You know, obviously, you know, it, one of the laws being that it, Android or robot can't harm a human, you right, know, right. has to obey humans, you know, unless an order from a human would cause it to harm another human or, you know, whatever. Um, but with machine learning and adaptability um, of, the, of this new AI, is it possible for something like Sophia, maybe Sophia 9.6 or whatever, you know, the <laughs> future version to decide to do something that is bad for humanity in some way. Right. We get that so much in Hollywood, I suppose. Oh, yeah. And, you know, even in... Well, it plays out well on the screen. Books on the screen. Blade Runner. You know, you talked about Philip Dick and... iRobot was... Isaac Asimov, yeah. And so we have this... I think we have a preconceived notion that that could happen. Well, one day the robots, I mean, it's just yeah, common knowledge. Kind of machines are going to take over. They're going to rise up and take over. Terminator. Yeah. Right. You know, yeah. I mean, it's... So maybe that's the romanticizing it in a sense. You know, Hollywood has a... It's amazing the influence that it does have. Um, 
you know, just in the thought process. As a, as a robotics programmer, I know that a robot can't do anything I don't program it to do. Right. And so ultimately, there's a human behind it. Right. Even, even the algorithm, there's a human behind it. Right. An intelligent being behind it. Right. That's not a robot. Are you saying that Sophia's not intelligent? <laughs> no. How offensive is that price? <laughs> she has feelings, too. All she robots would, lives matter. She, yes, hashtag robot lives matter. Hey, yeah. she would be frowning right now if she were here. Yeah, that's true. And then do that creepy smile. Yeah, and then, yeah, exactly. And then I would pull And then say, and she, she would say, Bryce, how do you know that you are intelligent? And then she would smile. Right. Yeah. Because I think and feel. <laughs> like you speak in robots. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> it's, you know... My, okay, my question, and I don't know anything about programming robotics other than what, I mean, I, I guess in a popular sense, I read yeah. popular science stuff, but um, I'm not trained as, as you are. But, you know, I think of the human element, um, you know, think about driving, for example, or whatever. You know, usually it's the human error that causes problems in most situations in life. So is it possible that the human programming, the, mach- the AI... Um, that learns would miss some kind of uh, would miss one possibility um, where this machine could learn something it shouldn't learn or right. You know, I think, you know, I think that it obviously brings up a whole nother set of issues, but can a robot act in a situation morally? Right. What are robot morals, so to speak? Can we in, instill human morals into a artificial intelligence? Well, I would almost argue that robots could, you know, should be programmed to, and and probably would react in a much more clearly defined moral right. well, way. Well, they logic, right? And reasoning. Well, their morality would be very strict. Or humans use emotions a lot of right. times. Um, so yeah. So our morality is muddied. Yeah. And theirs wouldn't be. Right. But then you, you know, you have the question of what do you do if, you know, you're going to, the brakes go out and you're either going to hit a group of children or you're going to hit a bus full of elderly people. And either way, the same amount of people die. Right. What do you do? I mean, you know, all these questions. It's the same argument that's used. There's nine people in the elevator and, you know, there's, what's the, um, the elevator stops and you're losing oxygen. And if you had eight people in the elevator, um, the oxygen would be at a normal level. So who do you choke out? Yeah. Or suffocate or whatever. Right. Or, or, or I guess maybe the question is, should you? Not not which one. But, right. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. How are you going to eliminate the person that, you know. So who's had the longest, richest, fullest life and right. is closer? You know, I don't know. How do you decide? Let's say you even had a gun. In the right. Bullets. That becomes an interesting scenario. Yeah. And so, who do you kill? Is the right thing... Okay, now, let's open up another question here. Murder is a sin. You know, to kill yourself would be a sin. But to let everybody else die would be a problem, too. Do you shoot yourself? Right. Is self-sacrifice honorable in that scenario? Or is it just mur- murdering yourself without a ability to repent for it? Yeah. I guess it's the old... I think superhero movies, to play it out to the extreme... But you know who does Spider Man save? Does Spider Man save Mary Jane, or the you know the the ship that's going down with you know million you know hundreds of people on it? Right. You know, 
you know, ultimately they play it out where he gets to say both. Well, of course. But <laughs> in reality, Mary Jane should have died. Yeah. One or the other. Or, yeah. It, Either way, he should have blood on his hands. First of all, right. it's his human element to save Mary Jane. Right. Because that's the love of his wife. Right. And, you know, well, you know, and she's real to him. Not just in the fact that they're in love, but right. the fact that she's very humanized. Mm-hmm. Where the people on there are just numbers. They right. aren't really humanized. Yeah. Well, and, and there, okay, this brings up another question. <laughs> humanizing or dehumanizing. So th- throughout history, um, the way we ju- – and I say we very broadly, but the way humans – we as humans have justified killing other humans is by dehumanizing them. Yeah. So when current – well, during World War II era, Nazi Germany, it was, you know, Jews uh, were looked at and, and this and this whole political – uh, agenda at the time was that they were basically not human. Uh, slavery in the U.S. And, and as a result, six million Jews were killed in the Holocaust, <clears throat> and you know what, fifty million people overall were killed during World War II. Yeah. Um. So dehumanization played a huge role in in what happened to the Jews, and, and not only Jews, but uh, uh, Jews, um, uh, gay people. Uh, mentally handicapped people, a lot, I mean, just all kinds of things. Slavery in the U.S. Uh, well, slavery in general, you know, right. when slavery, when the slave trade became a big thing. And you know, you have the knowledge that the shift from slavery that was happening, you know, around the world, really for, for millennia, um, in cases of war, uh, people who were taken as prisoners of war, uh, people who owed a debt and were working it off, Basically, right, a lot of the uh, I would say the biblical slavery that we read in the Old Testament, right? Was that it's, it was working off a of debt, things yeah, like that, of yeah. or working as a prisoner, like right. today we have in the you know the prison, uh, in the U- prisons in the U.S. people who work in some cases, um, for basically nothing, right? But you know, they probably should because they're paying their you know, basically they're paying for their lodging, right, and their food, so. That and that's and that was happening, of course, with tribal wars in Africa, which people talk about that slavery was already a thing. Well, that's what it was. It was yeah. it was prisoners of war and being you know used in, in that way. Um, what happened with the slave trade was we started buying and selling people as commodities, mm-hmm. and when we did that, we had to dehumanize them. So then, uh, all of a sudden, people of color were not human, right? And you know, uh, now current day, it's abortion. You know, the, the embryo, air yeah, quotes again, is not human. Does life begin at conception or at birth, you know? We are dehumanizing, like you said. Right. The, the embryo. So yeah. Speak. If yeah. you're making that unborn baby less than human, you're doing the same thing that Hitler did with the Jews. I mean, really, I hate to be that harsh about it, but it's true. On this. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, it's true though. It's true. It's the same process coming from a different place. I, I understand yeah. that. I, I do understand that. But it, it is the same, the same kind of thing. Now with with robots and with AI. Um, obviously Sophia has a face which humanizes her yeah. in our mind. So I'd think of her differently. I see. I'm still referring to this robot as her. I mean, it's like. Yeah, we're, uh, we're already genderizing it. We're talking about her yeah. like a human. Yeah. But it's because she doesn't look like the rectangle with wheels at the hospital that I, that says, excuse me, excuse yeah. me. And it, it 
if it had a face, I might call it he or she or whatever. Or so, Hands and Robotics has made this decision. Uh, with some, a lot of the, their other projects aren't very, you know, they don't have a face at all. Right. Um, you know, some pretty fascinating projects, um, but with Sophia, very much a human face, and it humanizes her. Um, so then the question becomes, you know, how much should robots be humanized? And then, you know, if, (laughs) you know, there's the question, of course you get into really deep philosophical questions of the soul and things like that. But, but just to keep it grounded, um, if a robot, how how do you know if a robot knows of itself aware? If a robot seems to be self-aware, then what kind of rights should it have? You know, and I think, I mean, and you know, there's things, I, and this is, you know, a whole other issue of sex bots, robots that are designed for sex. Right. And they look very lifelike, human, you know, very human-like. Um, if, and I think they're intended. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Originally designed to not be very intelligent. You know, for obvious reasons, but... The uh, bimbo wand, so to speak. Yeah, the bimbo bot. <laughs> yeah. So... You know, it's it's kind of, it's kind of disturbing in a lot of ways. And there's even been there was even an article recently <clears throat> about uh, child sex dolls um, and the idea that it would prevent pedophiles from offending. So let's encourage the act of right. So then it's so yeah. Then the question is: Is it encouraging the act? Yeah. But with a, a surrogate, right. or is it diverting Basically attention from real victims? There's really no hope. For these people? Well, yeah. Because psychologically, they are totally disturbed. So why don't we just take out the the, the bad element of the crime right. and replace it? Well, the victim. You're re- removing yeah. the victim. Right. Okay, so then if uh, the thing is if AI gets to the point where it's very aware of what's going on in some sense, at what point does it become not become a victimless crime anymore? You know, then you have the idea of, okay, this robot... Let's use Sophia as an example. Yeah. Um, say she's, you know, being experimented on, you know, whatever, different reprogrammed, uh, you know, used for profit without being compensated. <laughs> Basically, that's slavery, right? Yeah. And at a point when she becomes intelligent and, and maybe sentient, um, however you want to define that. Yeah. Then, I don't, I don't think you can argue that she, that she has a soul. But you could, but then data I think argues that yeah. uh, the idea of the soul. Yeah. Um, 
But you could definitely argue whether or not it's ethical to force even a robot that doesn't want to do it to work for no pay. That's interesting. <laughs> that's very interesting. Because obviously that's what they're programmed for. Right. And so they develop a conscience. Right. So to speak, and decide that they don't want to. I don't want to do this anymore. And especially when you start talking about sex robots, and I can only imagine that in the future, um, people will propose the idea of eliminating, you know, victims in, in the sex trade with, as far as sex workers go, right. you know, prostitutes or whatever. And especially in places where it's, where it's technically illegal or, or even places where it's legal, eliminate the risk of disease, venereal disease and things like that through the use of, basically AI or robotic brothels. I, I can only imagine that's in the near future. <laughs> and it would, you know, it, it eliminates the risk of disease. It, it, you'd have all these people proponents who say, oh, it's a great idea for society. I'm sure you'd have all the opponents of it who say, well, yeah, but there's still, it's the sex trade. We don't want that in our neighborhood. Yeah. You know, you're going to have both sides just like you do now. But then what about in that scenario when, uh, a robot says, I don't want to do this anymore. So yeah, when it is no, still no, when a robot says it, can a robot be sexually so assaulted? Can you rape a robot? Basically, yeah. yeah. That's, uh, wow. It gets, it gets really, really yeah. murky when you start yeah. talking about this. Yeah. Um, wow. We, uh, we went into a different direction than I planned. <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's an inevitable, I think, it's inevitably going to come up. Right. In this. It's true. I mean, you know, in the next, let's say that Sophia type robots really take off, type of AIs really take off. And, very, very humanoid. And I, I, I know in Japan, they've had this technology for a long time. Right. Um, we're just now starting to see it more so in America. For instance, cars that will automate back into a parking spot. Oh, right. And, you know, that technology is now starting to come more into America, but Japan's had it for years. Yeah. And I, it was one of the coolest things. When I was there, it was one of the coolest things I've ever seen. Because literally, the guy got out of his car and... He had some kind of button, and the car just back into the spot. That's brilliant. And I've seen some people that really need that. Right. And, you know, Japan, I find it necessary in the sense that it's an island. It's a nation. Oh, yeah. There's so many people on this island. There's no space. There is no space. They're literally, they're not building out. They're literally building out. Yeah. And it's like, just because, you know, they have parking garages that went vertical. Not right. Horizontal. That's crazy. Yeah. And, and they basically lift the car up, right? I've seen yeah. that. I've seen this thing. Yeah. It's kind of like almost like a conveyor belt, right? That grabs the car and lifts it up, or it's it's, it's strange. Uh, it, it, it's really it's it's cool, it's but you neat. don't have, you don't have to have room to open your doors to get out of your car, I guess, right? Yeah. So your parking spaces can be narrower, right? And you don't have to obviously parallel parking becomes a lot easier. So yeah, when space is an issue here in America, we don't have that. We we really oh, still we have wide tons of wide open space. space. Um, but in Japan, obviously, they have a big issue with it. So they've combated it with AI. And so it's it's neat to see it come. But it's at the same time, like we're, ta we're talking about 
Sophia, in the sense, is it right for her to become a citizenship? I think we need to, we are, we're not a philosophical podcast. We've talked about politics, philosophy, history. Uh, We're just running the gamut here of what what our podcast is. And now we're doing interview episodes. So it's, it's, I've enjoyed our variety. Oh yeah. But at the same time, we are a podcast that wants to take culture and theology and um, social issues and bring it home to apostolics. Right. So how should apostolics feel? How should Christians, you know, even in, in the general sense, how should Christians right. feel about, uh, and maybe I'm playing the devil's advocate here too, but um, how should Christians feel about science and even industry playing God? Right. So I, yeah, that's the question. And I, I don't really want to even tell people how to feel about it. I guess that's, you know, not really what we're going to do, but give my opinion, mm-hmm. I guess. So you talked earlier before we started recording about God as the creator. Right. Not only as the creator, but creating us in his image in that we are creative. Right. And I think that we are. And I've said this before on the podcast, but I feel like we are operating in, in many ways, operating in the will of God when right. we do create new things because he, he created us to be creative. Right. I agree with that. Yeah. So I have to think that, you know, that's, I think you mentioned this earlier about, you know, robotics and Sophia, for example, that it being a great achievement and being something, you know, possibly that God intended for us to do. Very well, could be. Because he gave us the knowledge and the drive and the desire to create, and this is where it's led. So, now, you you mentioned something earlier about uh, possibility of, in in 10 to 15 years, I think you said? Yeah. um, They plan to to program androids to procreate, to have children. Now, we don't know. Okay, we're going to have to go back and research this probably. Whether they're talking about building their own children that are androids or some sort of artificial insemination and incubation uh, or, I don't know. Either way, it's possible, theoretically. I read this in an article and, you know, it came, I believe it came from National Geographic. I'm not 100% on that. Uh, I'll have to go back and look. But I believe it to be credible. I believe Mm -hmm. they are trying to do this because, but I read something else recently too. And this may even take the abortion um, argument out of the whole political spectrum. Um, They are, I don't know who it is, but they want to create, it's in the works or something, a artificial womb. Oh yeah, yeah. That, you know they can. Play. I actually think they maybe were successful. I think I read that they were successful with okay. the trial. I, I don't want to misquote, but I, I believe I read that. So a person wanting an abortion can go to embryo can be transplanted, basically. Yeah, basically, and the child, it, you know, it would go through the whole nine months and develop and be born in a sense. What they do with the baby afterwards, I'm not sure. But that takes away the abortion argument. And and here's where here's where it leads. I, I I do feel like that we're not going to reach the level where we can create an, a, 
a thing with a soul. Right. Any kind of, uh, any kind of, you know, any human that's grown in a lab is a creation of God, mm-hmm. no matter how much man had input in, in it. Right. So, you know, I, I don't think I'm less concerned about us overstepping ethical boundaries there than I am with ethical issues like abortion. So, like you said, if this, if this can solve, if this <clears throat> advanced technology can somehow solve the ethical issue of abortion, or um, you know, even you know, I try to be. I'm not a vegetarian. If you if you saw me, you'd probably know that I'm not a vegetarian or a <laughs> vegan or anything. Um, a big guy. Nor am I. <laughs> right. Neither I Bryce like, nor I. Like I. Meat. <laughs> yeah, I love, I love meat. I love yeah. you know. I, animals are the most delicious. Foods and I mean, just in general, I love I love all of them equally. And I, I actually am an animal lover in general. You know, a lot live animals as well. Yeah. But I do love to eat meat, so don't get it twisted. But I'm not a vegan. But I do like to be. I do think of myself as a conscious carnivore. <clears throat> like I don't like the idea of how things are farmed and how how animals are treated on farms. I've seen it. Seen it on um, big commercial farms. Right. Um. I I, I think it's it's kind of makes you feel icky when you think about it. I, I really think it's probably ethically wrong, honestly. And I think Christians, especially conservative Christians, apostolics, should think about that. Yeah. And we don't. Yeah, I watched the famous documentary, Food Inc. Food Inc., yeah. And it really, it was eye-opening, but it really, I probably spent probably two weeks probably trying to be a vegetarian. No, I think I did, too. I didn't spend that long. Maybe a day, but <laughs> yeah. I did think about it at least. yeah. But I, after, you know, that's one of the things that influenced me, actually. Yeah. After that and doing some reading, um, I did rethink, you know, how I, so I, I try to source uh, meat. We eat out a lot, which is not probably great. But when we eat at home, I try to source meat from a local place where you're, you know, with free range chickens and <clears throat> happy grass fed cows. We live, where we're surrounded by, you know, farm, farmers markets oh, yeah. everywhere. So we have the opportunity to do that. Right. And I, I, so I think those kind of things should be an ethical consideration. And yeah. technology now, I just read this the other day, technology has allowed us to be able to create, to grow meat separate from the animal. Now, this is crazy. Yeah. And I don't, I, as long as it tastes the same, I'm, I'm interested. Okay. They got my interest here. So they say they can take some meat, a small sample of meat from an animal without killing it and it can go on to live a happy, healthy life. And that meat can be grown in a lab to a size that's then harvested for meat for public consumption. So the idea is that at this point, it's not scalable to make it replace right. farms. But I absolutely believe that if you can if you can do that, then you probably should do that. And I think one of them is certainly solve world hunger. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, honestly, if those kind of ethical questions. If we start asking ourselves, and, and you know, even uh, pollution, and a lot of people have this knee-jerk reaction, a lot of conservative Christians especially, it's, a, it's okay, it's not, it has nothing to do with the fact they're Christian, it has to do with the fact that they're conservative. Right. When you start talking about pollution and global warming, and I, you know, I, I don't know, I'm not a scientist, I have no idea. I'm just going to throw it out there. And, and the people who are preaching about global warming, destroying the earth, don't know because most of them aren't scientists. And the people saying that it's a hoax, they don't know because they're not scientists. So let's be honest, you know, most of us don't know anything about it, but, but here's the thing. I, I know that pollution is a thing. 
because I go to a lot of big cities where I, you know, you can tell the difference in air quality from when you're driving across the boring plains of Illinois. Yeah. From when you go into, you know, Chicago or Kansas City or wherever, you know, these different cities. So, you know, we should at least take these things seriously and think, you know, God give us dominion, which doesn't mean, you know, just kill all the animals and eat them, you know, destroy the earth. It means take care of it. We're taking care of something that's his. Right. So I think ethical dilemmas, obviously the ethical dilemma of pollution or sourcing meat in a way that's not cruel to animals you know as 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 little as those things seem to a lot of people i think they're more important than the question of of the ethics of robotics and ai and i think the advancements in robotics and ai can help us solve those other ethical questions especially like you said with abortion that's to me that's huge yeah that is a really big deal because like i said it just takes the argument off the table right and it would no longer become an issue Right. Exactly. And, um, and, you know, as a Christian, as a Christian, as a conservative Christian who believes in, you know, not accepting abortion, that believes in life at conception. Right. That believes abortion is murdering of innocent babies. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm okay with AI wounds. Oh, I'm okay with uh, with if if they could make Sophia a surrogate, a surrogate. Yeah, that, I'd be okay with that. Yeah, I think now the, the the problem is, what are you going to do with all these unwanted children? That's that's the thing. That's you know what happens to the child. I mean, obviously, I think they're going to be in a lab for a while to be tested and obviously, yeah, yeah. probably for developmental. Yeah, and I was listening to a podcast actually. Uh, which one was it? Now I can't remember. I listened to so many podcasts, I lose track. Um, anyway, you have that problem as well. Yeah, <laughs> I do. It was um, okay. It was uh, Colts. The okay. podcast name is Colts. It's from uh, the Parcast Network, and they have, they have some great, great really highly uh, uh, well edited shows. I guess high production values. Um, they're really great, but Colts is interesting. Uh, of course, they talk about like the Manson family and Jonestown and stuff like that. But this episode um, was talking about the family, which is not the Manson family, but um, this uh, cult in Australia that was led by a woman named Anne Hamilton Byrne. Anyway, moral of the story is the reason I was, I brought this podcast. They were talking about kids growing up in foster homes or, uh, it, it, more specifically, actually, growing up in, in uh, orphanages. Okay. And there's actually a less, a, a slower or, or less development of gray and white matter in the brain. So if I understand uh, neural um, biology, I guess, or, you know, uh, whatever, I, I guess the, the gray matter is like where stuff happens, you know, computations happen basically mm-hmm. and the white matter is like neural neural transmitters or it's it's like the the telephone lines between the gray matter for lack of a better term it transmits information between different parts of the brain so uh and it's shown that it's, if at a point um at the right point they're taken out of an orphanage for example and put put with parents or adopted um the white matter can grow but the gray matter doesn't increase so 
there's actually some areas that end up being underdeveloped. And uh, I said that to say this, um, I think the children growing up in that experimental uh, lab setting would probably suffer from some developmental issues. Right. Even if they're not drastic, like even if they pick up language and things like that. And, uh, and it, it's the question that was brought up in this episode of, that, of their podcast was, you know, is it possible that someone's background, you know, some of the way someone was raised as a child could make them not necessarily make them do something terrible, but make them more susceptible to do something terrible. Is there some brain, uh, uh, science that could explain why they did some of the things they did. And there was a, I mean, Andre Chikatilo or one, one of the, it was a Russian, there's a Russian serial killer who was hit in the head very hard in the, and, and, and they think that it damaged him as like a prefrontal cortex or whatever, whatever mm-hmm. it is that's, that controls uh, emotions and things like that. And they think that it possibly caused damage that made him at least more susceptible to doing the things he did or more able to do, you know, not that there's no, uh, that there's no personal, uh, responsibility there. Obviously the person's still responsible for their actions, but, um, are they more likely to do it or are they driven to do it because of some kind of brain science? So I I think there's some ethical questions then about raising children in a lab environment. (laughs) Yeah, that's, that's definitely true. And, um, (laughs) <laughs> we 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 brought up so many questions. I think more than we gave answers. Oh yeah, I'm sure. In this episode, you all can think about this. Uh, let me let me ch- give you a challenge as Christians. Okay, sure. uh, okay. Think about this, and this is kind of off. You know, we got here in a roundabout way, but um, if robotics and AI and, and all the or all these uh, scientific and technological advancements do solve the abortion issue. And we are, just just think about this hypothetical for a minute. There are a bunch of extra uh, millions, potentially, of extra children that are unwanted. What is the responsibility of the church? What is, and I think you can ask yourself this question in relation to all of these issues of like, how seriously do you take the little things like our dominion over the earth? We talked about, you know, sourcing, you know, ethically sourcing meat or, you know, making sure that you're not polluting more than is necessary, you know, burning tires in your backyard for fun or whatever. But we need to think about these things as Christians, even the little things, but especially things like, okay, now we've solved the abortion issue, but there's millions of extra children that are unwanted. What is your responsibility as a Christian? Are you pro-life enough to adopt three kids? <clears throat> yeah, that's true. That's that's the uh, that's the pick your battles kind of right. situation again. How pro, uh, how pro life are you? I guess that's right. I mean, yeah. I mean, you would have to be. You would you would have to be all in or all out, in my opinion. Yeah, if uh, it's kind of it's it's the same thing with abortion today. Yeah, I mean, we are as Christians, we feel you need to be totally against it. Right. Even in situations where the mother was, you know, raped or, you know, sexually assaulted in some sense that resulted in a pregnancy, 
And Which is really, really, really rare. Yeah, it honestly, is, statistically speaking, yes, it is rare. Right, but you have to recognize the humanity in that situation of how terrible it would be for that mother. But yeah, right. Um. So so yeah, you, you have to be willing to be all in. Like I said, take if you're gonna be if you're gonna stand for or against something, you're gonna stand for a hundred percent or against a hundred percent. So same thing goes with. AI births, you know, if you are going to say, okay, this eliminates the abortion aspect of the uh, situation, but what do we do with these, right. you know, artificially intelligent born children that are actual humans, you know, real life humans. Right. Um, we need to say, yeah, let's, we need to adopt. We need to, you know, they can't just be born and raised in a lab for 18 years. You right. Know, and then all of a sudden set on their own. I mean, and expect to live a... Then at that point, they're basically being programmed. Right. Not raised, really. And so, I mean, they're robots in a sense. In a, yeah, in a very real sense. <laughs> there would be... I mean, yeah. yeah. So, and another thing, I've, I've often thought of this, and I think we're probably going to talk about it in a future episode, um, but I'll just throw it in here, interject it, because I think it it plays into the same question mm-hmm. of how pro-life are you? You know, are you willing to adopt? Are you willing to adopt more kids than you can fit, you know, in your, in your current situation, you know, do, where you are, are you willing to live at a lower lifestyle or a lower level of comfort to accommodate right. more kids? You know, I don't, I don't know if I'm there, but then there's also the question of you're anti-abortion, but are you really pro-life? Do you believe in the death penalty? That's so true. I mean, you. I feel like you cannot be pro-life and believe in the death penalty. I agree. That's my opinion. I know so many conservative Christians are against that. Oh yeah, they're they're all about it. Pro, let's let's kill everybody as soon as, as soon as somebody the the news story breaks that somebody you know killed a child, especially or something like that. Yeah, like take him out back and shoot him. Yeah, yeah that's it's the, terrible. I see it on Facebook all the time. And right? I get the I get that emotional like yeah. that knee jerk emotional reaction. Oh, I hate it. I hate, especially when it involves kids or something right. like that. I saw a news story. Oh my gosh. I, I don't even want to talk about it, but I, I feel like I read it this morning. I have to. This uh, couple in Iowa, they were, I, I'm, I can only assume that they were on drugs. Um, they had, I think they had two children, uh, at least two children. One stayed in the room with them. The other four month old baby was in another room. Did you see this story? I, no, I haven't. It, it's, oh, it's awful. Uh, just a disclaimer. If, you know, kids in the car, shut the podcast off, <laughs> pause it. Um, it's really disturbing. But basically what happened is the dad called uh, 911 and said that their four-month-old had died. Mm-hmm. And his story was that he had just fed the baby an hour or so earlier and then it died. Well, when medics got there, the EMTs got there, whatever, they found the four-month-old in an automatic, like, battery-operated swing and the baby had been dead for over a week oh and was basically just rotting in the, in the swing. It's terrible. And then after a little more investigation, they just, they came to the conclusion that the baby had been in that swing, not bathed, fed, or changed, diaper changed or anything for a week prior to its death. Yeah. So it, it's, yeah, my knee jerk reaction. Is the parents deserve? Th- to they die. need to die. Yeah, let's give them both the lethal injection. 
get it over with, no appeals. You know, I even have people on my Facebook that would go to the extreme and say, we need to bring back the uh, the shooting gallery or the oh yeah, public private, hanging, public, yeah, public hangings. You know, they need to deserve an awful death. Make an example out of them. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I get where they're coming from, and I get that emotional response. Right. But it's not the Christian response. No, it's not. You know, yeah, to br- bring it to the to the Christian in the sense, what did Jesus teach us? You know, right. you know, you've heard that it was eye for an eye or you know, tooth for tooth. But, exactly. You know, Jesus taught us to love our enemies. Yeah, and you know to. Turn I'm saying, turn cheek. the other cheek. Yeah, it's if like, somebody takes your coat, give them your cloak also. Right? Whatever you I know. Mean, we've said it before on the podcast, but it's like these things that are so radical in our minds were the very things taught by God. Yeah, exactly. You know, we mm-hmm. as apostolics believe, you know, 100% that Jesus is God. Right. You know, and so we're. I, I just don't get it. I guess maybe I. It's like. All of our knee-jerk reactions that we have are totally anti-God. They are. Yeah. And that's called human nature. Right. And if we don't address it, it's not the issue isn't that you have that knee-jerk reaction. I think the issue is that you just accept it and go with it. Right. And uh, Brother Aaron Airwood, who we just interviewed um, on the last episode. Yeah. Um, we got the timing right. On yeah. <laughs> now we're back on track, I think, with our order here. Yeah. Uh, in his book, Countercultural Youth Ministry, he talks about this and the idea of um, authenticity. And, you know, I've always been one to promote the idea of authenticity. And I think our leaders need to be authentic in that, you know, you should know that we were subjected, we're subjected to temptations just like everybody else. And we struggle and we do this and that. Um, but in the context of youth ministry, he, he talks about the fact that uh, you can't just say, well, it's, you know, I'm being authentic and, Use that as an, as an excuse to just do whatever you want. Because, yeah, your authentic self is probably a lot more human nature and a lot less Christ <laughs> in yeah. you. So, so authenticity, while it's important and while it, people respond well to it, you can't use authenticity as, a, as an excuse just to do whatever you want. And I think it goes back to, to even the stuff like this. Right. You can't just say, well, I'm just being honest and, and continue to act that way. Now, you, I think, I think authenticity is what we're saying. Yeah. Be honest and say that, yeah, that's my first emotional response, but I know it doesn't line, align with what Christ teaches. So I check myself and that's, then that's the Holy Ghost checking you in your spirit and saying, uh, something's not right. Right. And we, we gotta be conscious. We gotta pay attention to that. Okay. So we have, Gone off subject majorly in this episode, which is fine. Um, I love our format that we just talk, and whatever comes to our mind comes to our mind. And we oftentimes we say, <laughs> most of the time we, you know, or I wouldn't say most of the time, the times that we do regret it, I edit it out. So yeah, you usually. don't actually hear it. But well, you know, then again, in ten years, we might look back and say, "Did we really say that and put it on the internet?" I mean, right. you know, I'm sure. Hopefully, we keep continue to grow. And yeah. but so uh, the very beginning, so an hour, um, in about an hour ago, we started talking about Sophia. Right. So let's let's end it on that. I think in this episode with you know the original question we posed. Um, 
is it right for a robot or AI to have human characteristics, to gain citizenship, to be allowed... Uh, to me, gaining citizenship would be you're able to vote. You, you may even have to pay taxes. Um, everything that entails with citizenship. Right. You know, is that correct? Even in her sense, she's a citizen. Or here we go, generalizing yeah. it again. But a citizen of a Muslim country. Right. That has very strict laws on women. Right. In their, in their uh, culture and even in their country mm-hmm. and politically even is she subject or is the robot subject to those laws i know that'd be a good question for somebody in the know but i, th- I think that you know if you're going to acknowledge her with citizenship and acknowledge her as her yeah um then y- y- she should be held to the same standards i guess even as a robot i mean I, that's just my thought but whether or not it's whether or not it's right or wrong to give a an android human characteristics, uh, that's a you know I, I would say, I would say just as an aside here, voting. I would think an android would make a much more logical and informed decision than most voters on either side of the spectrum. Yeah, that may be true. Um, but I can definitely see that being taken advantage of. Oh, it'd be manipulated. No doubt it'd be yeah. manipulated. But whether it's right or wrong. Um, boy, I don't know. <laughs> I, it's so hard to say. And I, I don't really want to say um, definitively. Because I don't feel like I can back up my answer um, either way I go. But I, I do think that... I, I, I'll say this. In... In our, using our creative capacity that was given to us by God, I don't think that giving human characteristics to a, an android or robot is crossing a line necessarily. Okay. Because we're not doing anything that would cross into territory that God, that, that, that God was in when he created. So, yeah. And I think, you know, some, maybe us humans or those of that desire higher power, so to speak, want to vicariously live as God. And, and you know, that may be a problem for some people that are yeah. designing these things and coming up with these. That may be a problem because maybe they do want to be like God and creating yeah. something like that. And so, and that's in science fiction that comes up. That theme comes up a lot, right? Um. So yeah, I mean, if it gets to that extreme, I think we do have issues, so to speak. You know, just us playing God is yeah, not right. But in the long run. God's not going to allow that. No, I think if it ever gets to a point where we can literally create life out of nothing. I mean, what, what did he do with then the Tower of Babel? Right, he stopped it. Yeah. And, and if, I, I find it interesting, too. I think we even talked about it in one of our Bible studies. But uh, in Genesis, you know, there's a it's, it's kind of a... Uh, I think it's one of those 
concept or one of those stories that we just kind of overlook sometimes or really don't think too much about. But, you know, there are two trees in the garden. Right. Know, one of good and evil and the other of knowledge of life, right? And the tree of life and the tree of life and then the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Yeah. 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 And so, um, so in Genesis chapter three twenty two, um, I'm not sure who God's talking to, but he's referring to that they ate of the tree of good and evil. Let's get them out of the garden before they eat of the tree of life or they would live forever. You know, um, I think I said this, I, I talked about the Tower of Babel and we talk about this. God, no matter what our ambitions are, God's going to squash them before we get a chance to go too far. Yeah, I think that's true. We have the chance to go too far, to me, is what it sounds like. Right. Yeah, I think God created within us the ability to go too far. Yeah. Which he basically said that with what he did with the Tower of Babel. Right. And, you know, I think I think that also we have to keep in mind that any, anything that's over the line is not necessarily... Now, humanity as a whole may suffer for it. Right. But I think that step over the line and the the uh, guilt associated with it would would be on the person who did it, yeah. you know? So uh, can we answer, you know, a, a question for all of humanity, for every individual? And, you know, the thing is, we can su- make suggestions, but, you know, I think eventually man probably will cross the line again. Yeah. You know, I, th- I think we did it. Honestly, this is my opinion. We'll talk about this in another podcast, I'm sure. But I think Oppenheimer realized that he stepped over the line with right. the atomic and, bomb. And he had that famous quote, you know, that it's become the destroyer of worlds. Yeah. I am become death, the destroyer yeah. of worlds. Yeah. Which, uh, which is a quote from, uh, the Bhagavad Gita. Is that how you say it? It's the, anyway, the Hindu text. Right. It's the, uh, Krishna says it. Right. Yeah. It's a, it's something to do with the Hindu religion. Yeah. I know it's a Hindu, yeah. it's a, a Hindu text, but yeah, it's, but it's, it's Krishna saying the, right. the, Hindu God says it, but yeah, Oppenheimer borrows it. And it's very fitting when you look, especially reading, we've talked about this, I read here, I'm actually still not finished that book. I have like a couple chapters left in Hiroshima. Um, it's, it's mind boggling, the devastation. We crossed the line yeah. and Oppenheimer realized that when he, when he made that statement. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it probably will happen again. And very well could. When it does, I... It could be in the near future, even in the sense of nuclear right, right. warfare. You know, exactly. The issues we're dealing with North Korea. But. Right. And and there again, it's, you know, it's an individual or individuals. Yeah. You know, Oppenheimer stepped over the line, yeah. you know, when in the developing the technology. Um, did Einstein have a hand in that, in some of the theoretics? Mm-hmm. Um, and, the, you know, that's maybe without knowing they crossed over a line. Right. Or fully understanding it. You know, now Kim Jong Un is stepping over a line, Uh, but but humanity as a whole will suffer for it. Yeah, we step over the line, but I think that's the benefit, and I think it's also our duty as Christians. We need to have the faith that God is going to intervene. Absolutely. Yeah, we we may we may cross that line. But at some point, God's going to say enough's enough. God doesn't want us to live in fear. Right. He wants us to walk in faith. And yeah. yeah, absolutely. I think before it gets to the point where the line is completely obliterated, that God will right. God will step in.
us today on two Pentecostals and a microphone. Wow, what an episode we had today. Very interesting. We ran the gamut on subjects. We talked about uh, robots, AI. We talked about abortion. We went into whether ethical questions, philosophical questions, and theological questions. Um, so it's a really great conversation. I hope that you listen to it. I hope that you enjoyed it. Um, one thing I want to add is, as far as AI, God created us to be creators. I think it's absolutely incredible, the achievements that we have done throughout the years. Whether or not it's ethical to do one thing, or philosophical to do another, or theological, right or wrong, doesn't matter. But what it boils down to, God created us as creators. And we are, I believe, doing that to our full potential. And uh, I think God is pleased with that. If you'd like to join the conversation, you can find us on social media at Two Pentecostals. That's on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also check our website, twopentecostals.com, for show notes, news, and links to Bryce and I's blogs. Also, it really helps us out if you can go to iTunes and subscribe, rate, hopefully five stars, and leave a review. It really helps us get found in the rankings, and we truly appreciate it. See you next time on Two Pentecostals and a Microphone.